0: Welcome to the Find Fit podcast, the fitness podcast to rediscover and redefine the way we look at being fit. Find it, believe it, achieve it. Welcome to Find Fit. Today, I am honored to have my guest and longtime, long lost friend, Justin DeSilva, on the show today. Uh, Justin's a professional disc golfer sponsored by Prodigy Discs. He is also the newest member of Team Canada and will be competing in the World Championships in August in Croatia. Justin, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have our listeners learn all about disc golf and to possibly inspire others to join the game or to get out and give it a try. I know I've, I've tried it quite a few times, I'm not at, uh, I'm not at Justin level, but uh, it's a great game to get out, get, get moving, and a great little addition to some fitness, so I'd love to dive deep into that today with you. Uh, but first and foremost, I'd love for you to tell the listeners about your story, your background, what got you into the sport of disc golf, I know you have an extensive sports background. And uh, yeah, I'd love for you to, to let the listeners know just who Justin DeSilva is, Mr. Disc Golfer.
1: Hey, Ramsey. Thanks for uh, having me on here. Happy to be here. Uh, I guess a little about me. I started playing disc golf when uh, I was actually seven years old. I, uh, I started playing lacrosse at a young age and uh, up at Mundy Park in Coquitlam, across the street from where I grew up, there's a uh, lacrosse box where I would practice at. And right next to it is a disc golf course. It's like one of the oldest in the country at Mundy Park in Coquitlam. And uh, me just being a little seven-year-old, you know, nosy kid, saw these guys playing over at the disc golf course, and I just walked over to one guy one day, and I just said to him, what are you doing? Like, what is this? Like, Like, this basket that I'm looking at, this thing with chains might be a barbecue, might be a garbage can, I don't know. Um, and he explained to me what disc golf is. And he uh he actually gave me my first disc. And uh, you know, it was my birthday like three weeks later, and he said to me, He's like, We do this thing on Sunday every Sunday, it's random flip, uh, double. So we all get in a circle at twelve o'clock and everyone flips their disc, heads or tails, until you uh get a partner, basically. And then once you have that partner, you go and you play around and the team with the best score at the end of the day, wins some money. And it happened to be my eighth birthday. And I played with the guy who introduced me, who I asked the question to, who also happens to be one of the best players in Canadian history, most winningest, I think. And uh, we won. And that was kind of my introduction. To disc golf was meeting this guy who was just amazing at the time. And, you know, uh, winning on my eighth birthday was like so cool to me. Like, I got to play with this legend and I won on my birthday. I was 25 bucks. I was stoked. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got into disc golf. And, uh, and I played since then on and off most, I was very concentrated on lacrosse and hockey growing up. But now that that dreams over for me uh, back on the disc golf.
0: <laughs> well, i, so I had say two questions to follow up with. Um, well, one, who is this uh, Canadian legend in the disc golf world?
1: His name is uh, Dave Ross. Uh, he started playing disc golf. I think he told me in 89 or 90, 91 or something like that. Um, he was also a Quillam kid, grew up just down the hill. So when they put the course in, you know, he was always ripping around Mundy Park and saw it and kind of got into it. He was a high-level baseball player and uh, he fell in love with it. Same way that most people do, it becomes like an addiction. And uh, he kept coming out and, became really really good and he still is today he's actually also a member of uh, team canada this will be his fourth time on the team
0: oh very cool it's going to come full circle for you then to be able to mm-hmm. to play alongside him so it's neat for any of the listeners who wants to to google him as well to to check that out i, I think it's just so neat because it's such a a growing sport i find and i know you actually introduced it to me to begin with too um remember back in our tough mutter days we were training for boot camps and and you brought me out to that field and I had no idea about it. And it doesn't take much for you to throw one disc and be, you know, right into it so you yet the second follow-up question i had for you too is to share a little bit about um because you'd said you know the the potential dream is over which i don't really think it is you, you just came off a big provincial win here and uh and field lacrosse <laughs> i saw the other day too but uh i know you know back in the day you would had a, a few injuries um that kind of hit you and, and i guess t- t- to to fast forward it i guess it was a blessing in disguise as to how successful you are now in the, the disc wor- uh, golf world but would you like to shed some light on, on some of that?
1: Yeah, at, uh, at 18, I was, was really into lacrosse. I was playing junior A, um, you know, Team BC, the highest levels you could play locally. Um, you know, I had some scholarship offers to go down to the United States and play some Division I lacrosse. And, uh, you know, it was talked about getting potentially drafted in the NLL. Um, and then when I was 18 years old and i just come back from Team Canada lacrosse trials U19, and uh, I was diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, which is rheumatoid arthritis in the spine, and uh, took a lot out of me physically, mentally, emotionally. Uh, between the pain and the res- uh, restriction that I had in my back, you know, at such a young age and barely being able to walk, uh, really took my <clears throat> drive out of lacrosse and sports in general cuz I trained so hard and taken such good care of my body and uh, it just ruined me that injury uh, I couldn't exercise for like almost 2 years basically
0: yeah, yeah and I I couldn't have even tell you know tell when we were training for our boot camp at the, the time and I remember you sharing that story with me which is was just amazing you know to see you know, how much you, you prevailed over that injury? What, what kinds of things did you do to kind of recover or what got you back on track to, you know, pursue even this dream within uh, disc golf and continuing to play lacrosse? Because I know you, you still do that a um, little bit more recreationally, but um, what kind of, you know, after those two years, what made you kind of, you know, pick it back up again? Is there any recovery things that you did to kind of help cope with that? I know at a young age, that's got to be pretty tough to, to kind of deal with as well.
1: At the time it was really new to me. Um, and and so I was, I never had any back injuries like that. Um, I did a lot of, um, physiotherapy, um, acupuncture, uh, decompression laser therapy. I was trying all of the natural ways to try and, you know, get the inflammation to go down. Um, but after all that, I ended up going on these really crazy medications. that my doctor put me on as an injection. Hmm. Um, and I was really hard. In the system it was basically a steroid. I put on a whole bunch of weight, um, you know, I was getting depressed just from the medication. Um, and then I was just like, what well, kind of one day I woke up and I was like, I don't need to do this crap anymore. You know, like, let's just get out and just give her. So I started going back to the gym got back, you know, running, got my weight back down. Uh, we tried a couple other like natural medicines. Um, and it's really helped. Like I haven't had any issues like that big with my back since I was 21. So eight years wow. ago. Now, I mean, I blew a couple discs a few years ago, but that was my own fault. And I still kind of battle that here and there. Um, but disc golf, like everyone thinks, you know, with the major twisting motion that you're doing, uh, that it'd be hard on your back, but it actually helps a lot because you're constantly moving it and, you know, twisting as much as you can. So you're, you're creating flexibility. By doing that, you're increasing strength in your core when you're throwing, and uh, and I'm always mindful of you know where my body is, so I'm not putting any extra needed pressure on my back because I don't want to go backwards. Um, but I think just between disc golf and just having and just staying you know kind of in shape has helped a lot with my back. And uh, moving forward into this, I'll be back in the gym training really hard to try and do my best physical performance for uh, Team Canada.
0: Nice. So, yeah, that's creeping up fast, too, in, in, in August there. And I know, mm. uh, you know, doing this firsthand, which I, I hope this inspires people to get out. I know, like, the oblique muscles, the lower back, the spine, you know, it, it's it's interesting. Like you said, you know, they'd affected your spine. So I put the the two and two together as the discs. So it, it must be really healthy for the the spinal discs to be, you know throwing them and I know you can sure throw uh throw those discs which we'll we'll talk about your 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 records here <laughs> or personal records more than anything in, in a little bit but um what kinds of things are you going to be so yeah actually why don't we jump ahead and just tell everybody a little bit about those world championships because I'd love to kind of hear what your your training is going to be like for that uh as well because I know that's coming up in August so um yeah i guess one what what is the world championships um uh, maybe you can even shed some light on the, the pro circuit a bit and uh yeah we'll go from there uh
1: the world championships i'm competing and will be team worlds so there's two world championships um there's singles which is done through like the pro tour um and then there's team worlds which is done every two years um basically uh, in canada it works the top 20 players in the country get an invitation and then from there those players either apply or don't depending on you know time and finances and stuff being able to travel cuz it's not funded by the government none of this is paid for we have to pay for it all ourselves hmm. um and then from there the team captains make selections um in singles just like in golf you'd play 18 holes um this tournament Uh, And the world championship for singles is all stroke play. So same as golf, you get birdies, pars, bogeys. um, And, you know, the person with the lowest score at the end of the the tournament wins the tournament. The team worlds is all, is a mix of doubles and singles match play. So it doesn't matter if my team, me and my partner get a three and the other team gets a nine, we still only go up by one, Hmm. right? It'd be Canada one up. And then if the next hole we get a nine and the other team gets a three, then we would be all square. And it kind of just goes like that. Um, in this match play format, we only play nine holes. So if you don't come out swinging, um, you're going to fall behind real quick. And, you know, when you're playing teams, some of these teams from around the world that are very, very good, if you fall behind early, you're not going to catch up. So I think for me, the important, like the things that I'm really going to be pushing for is to make sure that like, I'm really warmed up before I go and play, you know, make sure I get a couple hours in, throwing, putting, uh, just getting that muscle memory down and making sure that my body is not going to, you know, make sure my back's nice and stretched out so I'm not shorting my shots or not following through all the way because I'm tight. Um, Training going forward is going to be just flexibility and core strength because all your power in disc golf comes from your core. And your legs. You don't have to have a big body. You just need to be flexible, and you need to know it's a timing thing. Just like swinging a baseball bat, hitting a tennis ball, taking a slap shot, throwing a football. You're always engaging your core and turning those hips before. So yeah, like we we're talking about with the scoring. So if you win your um, your nine-hole match, you win one up or two up or three up, however many holes that you go up over your nine holes. Your team will only get one point. Um, if you tie, you, each team gets a half point, and if you lose, you get zero. This year, there's, I think, 28 teams or 29 teams competing. Hmm. This world's team world started in 2013, I believe, or 2015, and the first time it was hosted was actually in Vancouver, and they hosted it at Queen Elizabeth Park and Grouse Mountain. And at that time, there was only eight teams. The next time, I believe, the U.S. won. The next year was twenty seventeen, and it was in England, and there was fourteen teams, and Canada won um, on the last hole of their last match in the finals. Hmm. Um, in twenty nineteen, it was in Estonia, and Finland won, and they didn't lose one match the entire tournament. Wow! And this this year is Croatia, and I believe there's thirty. 28 teams, I think, 2019, something like that. So it's grown quite a bit. There's teams from, there's a couple of teams from Africa coming up this year, Brazil, lots of European teams, um, Japan, China, Sweden. Like it's really big in the Nordic countries, Sweden, Finland, and Norway have a combined like 2,900 courses or something
0: wow very cool it's neat how international it's it's spread across it'd be neat to see some of those courses i know bc has some some really nice courses i, I couldn't imagine you know going to these other places i know you had just mentioned you just got back from uh the states as well i think you were in portland is that correct
1: mm-hmm. yep just outside of portland in north Plains, so about 40 minutes uh west of portland
0: okay and what are the courses like out there comparable like out here? Are they different? Are they similar?
1: Very similar. Uh, West coast courses are kind of all, you know, the same. They play big, big cedar forests. you know, have lots of tall trees everywhere. Um, the course that I went and played at, um, was considered the, one of the hardest courses in the country of the United States. Um, just really tight fairways through lots of trees. And if you hit an early tree and you go behind, you know, you're basically taking a bogey or worse if you don't get 150, 200 feet off the tree, off the tee bat. Um, and we played a few other courses down there that were you know, top courses in the state and they're just beautiful. They're all very well manicured. Um, it seems like down in the US, they really take care of their disc golf courses. In Canada, you know, disc golf is it's mostly done in our public parks. So the cities are taking care of them down in the States. They're more, um, a lot of private courses, a lot of like pay to play courses where um, they're just better managed and better maintained making for a more enjoyable disc golf experience. Uh, when I went down to Vegas and played, we, they're very open like desert golf, you know, just really long holes through the desert and landing zones, lots of artificial out of bounds just to make it more difficult um going over to the east coast is really tight trees you know like aspen aspen forests and all cut fairways lots of water it really depends where you are and whatever the natural landscape is you can kind of just plunk a disc golf course in there it doesn't you don't have to have you know like a golf course you don't have to have 70 acres of land to build the disc golf course you can build a really nice course on 20 acres one of the nicest courses in the world is in alder grove british columbia and it's built on 37 acres of an old landfill and i believe it's 13th ranked in the world
0: wow that's that's right in the backyard we gotta Mm -hmm. uh, gotta go hit that up and get all your tips from you for sure so so i I guess it's as close to golf um I guess in regards to the the scoring side of it and I guess for like the listeners that have never done it as well and I know I guess speaking just on behalf of like where we live um for the most part it's free right for those courses out here is it free Mm -hmm. internationally or is it um uh you know are they kind of all kind of maintained the same way
1: Uh, It depends on, depends on where you are. Most, most courses are free to play. You just walk in because most courses uh, around the world so far that I've experienced have all been in public parks and the condition of the course comes down to how much money the, uh, the hosting municipality wants to put into the course or how much they love their park. You know, if the municipality really loves their park and they really like disc golf, then the course is going to be maintained. If the city just put one in to appease people, Probably not going to be as nice, but it'll still be the same price. But by like maintained, I mean like you know tree branches that have fallen aren't picked up, tons of leaf buildup where you just can slide under, grass not being mowed. Like it's little stuff, but it does make a difference between like a really nice course and an average course. Um, so those are the kind of things that we notice. But yeah, for for the most part, courses are all free, and I mean the most I've ever paid to play is twelve dollars.
0: Wow. You know, this, so. That doesn't inspire people to go check them out. Now they're going to be Googling <laughs> all these courses for sure. And I, yeah. I guess that's a, that's a good question too, uh, which was kind of half answered because I was going to say, how does someone get into to disc golf? Um, but I guess step one is, is just getting some, some discs and mm-hmm. and getting out there and finding a course. Um, but above that, I know that you, you had met up with a cool crew to kind of begin your your career and, and and inspiration. So, I guess speaking on locally or, or anything that somebody, if they did want to get involved, what are your tips for that?
1: Uh, well, I think I think number one is to go out and and find some discs. Um, there's a lot of online retailers. Depending where you live, there could be stores. Um, if you just type in, you know, if you live in Canada, most of our retailers are online. There's some. There's a couple storefronts that I know of in BC uh, like two in Alberta and a couple, one Ontario, um, one in Manitoba, but for the most part, it's all online. Uh, and they have, it's easy to buy. You just go to their websites, whoever, wherever you are, one close to you. And they're, they all have like beginner friendly discs. Like every single website has, you know, easy, you know, starter set, easy to learn discs, beginner discs. Um, and that's just referring to the speed of the disc, the stability as we refer to it. So, the harder it'll turn left as a right handed player, or the harder it'll turn right as a left handed player. The more stable a disc, the harder it finishes left or right, depending on your throwing hand. Um, and uh, get it, finding a course near you. There's an app called U Disc, U D I C S C. If you download that app, it actually has a map of all the courses in the entire world. And you can just zoom in to where you live and then just start zooming out and then courses will just start popping up. And when you click on that course, it'll have pictures, it'll have course layout, distances, uh, course records, if you're into that kind of thing. And it has all the information you can need and it's it's all accessible from a free app.
0: Oh, that's super. You can cool. track
1: your score and all your stats. Um, yeah, you know, I think to track your stats, you have to you have to pay like eighteen dollars a year or something. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you don't want to pay and you just want to use it for the the mapping, then it's it's free, and it's great.
0: Well, that's good to know for my uh, my folks out in uh, Gibsons because we 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 found a, a campsite out there, but all the numbers are all scrambled everywhere. So I'm wondering now okay. <laughs> if it's on that app, and if it is, I, I yep. know my my dad's a big listener, so he'll be downloading this right when he hears this episode because <laughs> we yeah. uh, we always go go out there and and I know, <clears throat> like you just said, you know, find some discs. I know um, purchasing my own, you know, it was the Amazon special um you know jump on pick up a, a driver a mid-range and a, and a putter to to begin I think I've already lost two of them in the bushes I think I'm just stuck with my driver that's why I'm terrible at putting yeah. <laughs> i got some extra ones for you don't worry We'll hook you up. well with that being said i know of a really good company called prodigy discs uh, a nice yep. plug for them which i know you're sponsored by them mm-hmm. um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about their discs and i know you'd said something that made me think like about the left and right handed um how can you kind of tell or like what's something someone should be like looking at if they are uh, one just beginning or currently using discs and finding oh this is just not right for me um what are some kind of tips for that especially if they check out the prodigy discs
1: uh prodigy's discs so they all discs um have like flight numbers on them going from one to 15 um the first number is speed and that is the, the it'll say like you know 11, five, zero, 3. So the first number is speed on a scale of one to 15. So 15 being the fastest, one being the slowest. So like one to three is going to be your putters. That's your putter speeds, nice and slow, round, blunt edges. You know, they're good for catching chains. They're grippier, tend to be. Then you move into your, so that would be like your putting, putter and golf. Then you move the four to six speed that's going to be your uh, your mid ranges so they're a bit of a shallower rim um thinner than a putter and you know that's going to be your your pitching wedge to your uh, 9 iron 8 iron uh golf clubs then you have your fairway drivers which go from 7 to 10 speed and that's going to be anywhere from your uh, 7 iron down to your 3 iron mm-hmm. And then 11 to 15 is your distance drivers. And that's when you start getting into your woods and your, your big boy driver. Um, the second number is glide. And that's you know, how far they say the disc will go Farther, the higher the number, the more glide, the more height you give it, the farther it kind of just sails through the air. And then your last two numbers are your turn and your fade. Turn for a right-handed player, the disc is going to turn right more. If it's a positive number and if it's a negative number, it'll turn more left and your fade as a right-handed player, the higher the number, the harder it goes left, lower the number, the less it goes left. Um, If you're finding that you as a right-handed player that your discs are going left all the time, try getting a slower disc with less fade. If you're finding that your disc is a right-handed player, always turning right, get a faster disc with more fade and less turn. Um, I know this doesn't really make sense, but another good way to ask is just go ask somebody at a course, Hey, this disc isn't working for me. Can you help me? One of the best things that I've always said this about disc golf, the best thing about disc golf is the people and the community. And I know everybody says this about their sport, but disc golf is a very special community. We go inside.
0: This is the, this is Justin's training. He's chucking the the, the used discs for the pop out backyard.
1: <laughs> yeah, we uh, the best part of disc golf is the community, and that stems from me being a seven year old walking up to some random adult in the forest and him spending the time to explain to me what the sport was, help me get into it, invite me by giving me a disc, invited me to their. Event which was all adults, which they do every Sunday, which I didn't have to. And all the way to my Oregon trip last week or two weeks ago, sorry. I walked into this course. I, me and my f- two friends pulled up. We get to the course. We're just at our car, we're trying to figure out using U Disk where to go to our hole one. And these five guys come up to us like, "Hey, we know you guys' license but You're not from around here, eh?" We're like, "No, we're from Canada." Blah blah blah. I started talking. They're like, "Hey, why don't you join us for a doubles round?" We're just going to play doubles right now. You guys want to come walk through the course, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Played a whole round with these guys. we would never met before. Had a great time. Then they took the time. They're like, oh, you guys have to come to this Mexican food truck. It's the best in town. You have to go. And they took their time, took time out of their day to take us to this food truck, 40 minutes away. And we spent the night with them, hanging out, having some drinks, eating some great Mexican food. To, we didn't know them for a second. And you can walk onto any disc golf course and walk up. Most groups will take you in and be like, "Yeah, we'll take you around the course. We'll help you." Like everybody, that's what everybody wants to do. And it's one of my favorite parts about the game.
0: Such a such a cool community. I think we we all can be inspired to to need more of that, especially in this world right now. Right? Mm. One one get knowing nature too. You know, it's basically free. And uh, three, get to meet new people, right, and be out mm-hmm. in the fresh air. So, uh, you know, there's not many excuses there, especially if someone is just kind of in a rut. I, I, I find, like, especially with this podcast, my whole, you know, whole piece of this is to inspire people to kind of think about fitness in a different way, right? Like, you know, this is a prime example. Uh, what is fitness? Movement, right? Exercise. Not only that, working in. Uh, it, it is a matter of just talking to people, you know, uplifting uh, you know those feelings and then of course being able to actually you know play a game and if uh, if you know for extra bonus or fun you bring some drinks with you <laughs> depending where you are mm-hmm. and and enjoy it so and, and it doesn't you know break the bank account I know golf is a very expensive sport um, where like you said with disc golf I, I I'm going to be definitely paying more attention to those those numbers on those those discs as well <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you before I uh, forget in regards to the weight of the disc, does that play into, um, you know, your drivers or your putters? Are they heavier? Are they lighter? I know mm-hmm. you, you mentioned the numbers.
1: Yeah, so again, like um, putters, so the Professional Disc Golf Association, the PDGA has limits on weight, um, both how low it can be and how high it can be for certain types of discs. So your putters and your drivers can go anywhere from 150 grams to 175 grams. Mid ranges can go from 150 grams to 180 grams. Um, For myself, because of my arm speed and uh, strength, I go with maximum weight for putters and mid ranges, so 175 grams and 180 grams. Drivers I go about 172 171 I like a little don't like the max weight I find I get a bit more distance going with the lighter disc. Um, but we're talking like 20 feet 30 feet but in a tournament that could be the difference between a birdie and an eagle, and a park so. Um, it all depends what you're comfortable with um i know a lot of like newer players tend to throw like 168 for for men seems to be good and like a 155 to 163 seems to be good for women um but again depends on your body type depends on how hard you throw how strong you are um and then again like the more stable a disc if it's heavier the harder those reactions are going to be and if it's lighter because your, your arm will kind of overtake what the disc wants to do if it's lighter Uh, will help a bit so yeah you could fluctuate your weights a bit and that might change how your discs are throwing
0: in regards to the the way that you stand Ah. and as well as uh throwing i guess throwing is a big piece because i think everyone thinks of you know disc or aka frisbee um Right, and they throw a frisbee, similar to like how you know uh, we would as a kid, right? Or kids, mm-hmm. do you do kind of? Uh, and I know this is all by audio, but uh, do you do like a forehand throw, or do you throw it kind of like a, a disc, um, similar to as we did in the schoolyard? Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, or do you do both uh, in regards to what shot you're taking? I know I actually straight up, because I'm going to be selfish here, I'm a terrible putter. So any advice that I can get (laughs) in regards to putting, and I think that's probably anybody that lifts weights too, right? And the same thing in golf That's why I'm a terrible golfer. I, I take the driver, I try to kill it. It doesn't go anywhere. You know, the same thing I find with the discs, right? I did really try to chuck the thing and I get lucky every once in a while, but um, yeah, in regards to throwing it, what's some advice or tips for, for some, some beginners as well.
1: Um. Well, yeah, I guess for if you're throwing forehand, throwing a disc like a Frisbee is actually a good thing um, to start because you won't uh, just overturn it into the ground. Like we were talking about before, just really engaging your core and driving through your legs. So I do like a four step run up Mm. um, that really like I start by facing my target um, and then it's left foot forward. And then when you bring your right foot in front, you want to basically turn your right foot 90 degrees so that your heel and your toe are lining up. And then you want to go into like a little crossover. So your feet are parallel to the side of the T-pad and then your final step for as a right-handed thrower, um, stepping with my right foot, I plant that foot, drive my hip through, and then my upper body follows that. And then you want to end with your chest facing, um, facing down down fairway, um, forehand's similar, except the other way. You really want to open up your chest to where you're throwing, get, keep that arm nice and flat and, uh, really drive through your legs, hips, legs, hips, upper body arm, last arm comes through at the very end arms, just a vessel, your, uh, lower body and your core and your hips are what drive the disc forward.
0: Hmm. So, and you kind of add, you add four, four steps as well, kind of to that forehand, or is it less steps because of your chest opening up or the
1: the forehand, I just do like a little skip. Um, There's so many different ways to throw uh, just like golf, like swinging a golf club and throwing a disc, you go watch a hundred disc golfers and you'll see 90 different throwing styles. Hmm. Um, It really comes down to what's comfortable. The way that I'm talking about is just like a basic beginner run up um, that like when you get more experience becomes second nature and that's when you start really build your power up um for forehand a lot of people just do like yeah one, one step and they throw uh but it's whatever's comfortable
0: okay and then in regards to your hand placement as well in the disc is, does that change i know i'm always kind of confused where i kind of put my thumb you know over the brim or or again mm-hmm. is it very just you know what's comfortable
1: What's comfortable, um, there's different grips uh, for forehand and backhand. Uh, Some people do four fingers under the rim on their backhand, which is considered a power grip. um, Or three fingers, or some people fan their fingers out depending how big the rim is in your hand. Uh, For forehand, a lot of people do like two fingers stacked on the inside of the rim. or some people do a fan grip where they split their fingers so their index finger will be on the inside of the rim and their middle finger will be, there's our index finger on the center of the disc and in, middle finger on the inside rim. So when you throw, you really get that snap off the middle finger. Um, but that, yeah, again, it's whatever's comfortable. I always tell people if you want to learn backhand, shake somebody's hand, don't let go of your grip, put the disc into the center of your, your thumb joint there, and then close your hand, wrap your fingers in. And that's where your hand should be. Hmm. It's kind of the easy way to kind of figure out your grip to start.
0: Very cool. That's the, uh, the disc golfer handshake then. That's what exactly. do next time I hit up the course. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess ultimately, like you probably you head into kind of for training wise, I, I guess the best way to, to find your grip or to find your form um, you know, just ultimately kind of going out in the fields and, and chucking them? Do you kind of find your distance that way?
1: Mm-hmm. I know,
0: I know just like golf, like, you know, you, you, you hit the club and you realize, you know, your pitching wedge can can maybe go 100 yards or, you know, and so you try to figure out that. Is that kind of the same method in regards to disc golf?
1: Yep. Yeah. If you figure out what disc, how far they go, what angle you throw them on. I always tell people when I teach them, the disc should always come out of your hand at the same angle. That way you've eliminated a potential error. If you're trying to throw discs on different angles, every shot because of the type of disc they are, you're never going to succeed mm. because you're constantly having to change the way you throw every time you sort of, Oh, is it 10 degrees, 20 degrees, 30 degrees how much do I need to put this on? If you find discs that fit the way you throw and you can get the disc to naturally shape a shot and never have to change the way the disc comes out of your hand, you're going to have more success. You're going to be more consistent. What's the key to being a good golfer? Consistency. Yeah. Right. And so if you can eliminate things like that, you're going to have more consistency. Um, so for me, it's just, yeah, what I throw the disc the same every single time comes out of my hand for the most part. And I just watch how the disc flies in the air, and then just using my eyes, I kind of judge. Okay, at three hundred and fifty feet, the disc, you know, starting to come back left. Or the disc is still turning right, and then I'll know when I go into an actual hole that oh, I need at three hundred and fifty feet, I need to turn left or right. I'll throw this disc,
0: right? And you, you keep mentioning feet as well. I guess for the listeners
1: as well, um, I guess it's feet uh, opposed to yards like golf. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, we. Uh, Cause like, you know, a a huge drive in disc golf is around, around 500, 550 feet, which is only like 130 yards, 140 yards, um, maybe a bit more, but I mean, what sounds more impressive? 500 feet or 130 yards.
0: Yeah. No, you're (laughs) you're... (laughs) (laughs) so I, I asked you this earlier. So what, what is, if you want to share it or not, um, what is your, your longest drive shall we say
1: the longest one i ever recorded myself was 582 feet wow and i was at westwood plateau golf course in Coquitlam uh, about a month ago okay downhill on a mountain so i mean i had a bit of elevation to help me out um but it wasn't crazy downhill i think the longest throw I ever recorded was down a mountain it was like 1800 feet or something
0: oh very cool <laughs> just ripping it downhill that's why i like golfing in the winter because it will just um i hit it like 100 yards but then it rolls for an extra 100 to 150 it's perfect (laughs) ice cold Um, i guess that's the same with the roll on the disc Uh, depending on what kind of terrain you can get a nice little roll down the hill it's another type
1: of shot that people do is like there is like we talked about the forehand and the backhand but you can also go over your head um and throw the disc kind of on an angle over top of your head, like you would throw a baseball and the, the disc will do you know, some stuff in the air and fly. And it'll also, um, you can roll them. The professionals are doing like 800 foot rollers. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> down the middle of like these, when they play on big golf courses, is what they do, they're like, Oh, I can't, you know, can't throw 900 feet in the air. So let's try and roll it. Yeah. And so they put them on a certain amount of edge and throw a disc with a certain amount of suitability. And depending on which way the wind's blowing, they can go.
0: So I guess in regards to the throwing, is there, well, I guess, is there any rules?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of like golf, um, you can't shoot from in front of your lie. And same thing with the tee pad, you can't you know, step off the tee pad. You can't hit a golf ball off a tee pad. So a standard disc golf tee pad is six feet wide by 14 feet long or 12 feet long, sorry. Um, there is a rule that you, if the tee pad is smaller you can go up to 12 feet behind the tee pad when you release your disc. So if, you know, depending where the trees are off the tee pad it might make sense to go off the back of the tee pad. But you do have from the front 12 feet straight back that you can tee off anywhere behind. You don't have to tee off from the front. Um, and then when you're playing out, you have to make sure that your foot is within a 12 by 12 square of the center of the disc from behind it. So you, when you plant your foot to throw your approach shot, you have to make sure your foot is within a 12 by 12 square of your disc. Um, putting inside 30 feet, your feet, your front foot has to stay on the ground and you have to be in control of your movement until the disc has come to rest in the basket. Mm. If you're outside 30 feet, you can jump putt. So basically the disc has to be out of your hand before your feet touch the ground. So you can actually jump forward over top of your disc Mm. to putt. Um, If you want to watch any of this stuff, I'd recommend going to YouTube and uh, just type in like PDGA world championships or any sort of PDGA pro tour and just watch a tournament and watch those guys throw and putt. And you'll see it all.
0: Wow. Do you, do you find the, the jumping funny because, you know, I'm a big lacrosse fan, but you know, watching it and it reminded me of, you know, doing the jump shots through the crease, trying to put the ball in the net. Do you, do you find with the putting, uh, does it help by, by jumping or I guess, does it just depend on where you are?
1: um depends where you are depends how far away you are um like depends on how far that you know you can comfortably putt without having to really try because when you have to really try and get some distance you end up trying too hard and pulling it right um just natural thing your body does when you're trying to putt from that distance um the jumping does help especially if you're an athlete where you know, you came from a sport that requires, like, you're always moving while, you know, moving a ball, throwing, like, rugby, football, lacrosse, whatever. You're in motion. So your body knows how to, you know, control things and put it in a precise location because that's what you've done, you know, in your other sports. So for me, I find whenever I'm outside 35, you know, 30, 35 feet, I, I'll take that jump put all day long because I know that I'm very in control of myself from that in that moving uh, state.
0: This is when I need to um, make sure my dad doesn't listen to this because we play a lot of matches against each other, and uh, now he's going to know I'm jumping. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there is a cool course in, uh, in Gibson's. Uh, I know of it uh, based on just about a half a block away from their local brewery, the uh, Persephone's Brewing, up there. So it uh, it's a nice little little forest course if anybody's out there and uh, check that out. I know there is a back nine on that one as well that has uh propane tanks into the the trees which i believe is a training course so uh are are all the the official i guess with with your association um are they all the the baskets the chain baskets then when when you go live in a competition
1: yeah the pdga has rules about um types of baskets they have to be pdga approved to be like an official sanctioned event Um, you know, you can still host private tournaments that doesn't have a PDGA title to it that you can, you know, do whatever. If you want to just have metal posts hanging from trees all around your property with, you know, these little dirt tee pads. Sure. PDGA doesn't care because they're not insuring you. They're not paying you. You're not getting a a player rating or a handicap right from them. Uh, It's just a private event on someone's property. Um, One of the biggest tournaments in Canada is held on Pender Island every year in May. And you know they—it's 27 holes, typical PDGA standards. 18. This isn't a sanctioned event. They're all half of the course is metal poles, and the other half is baskets. Hmm. And no tea times. You just play whatever you want. But 400 people show up to this tournament for a non-sanctioned event every year. So cool. That's
0: so <laughs> cool. and and you do you go to those events too? Every year. I do, yeah. Yeah.
1: Nice. I go to that one, especially and this year, quite sad. I have to miss a big tournament in Kamloops to go to that one. Um, but I've been going to that Pender tournament for so long and I just can't miss it. Especially after COVID for the last couple of years, uh, we have been able to go.
0: Yeah. It's going to
1: be really nice to uh, to travel and go over there, and you know, see some friends that I've had for 20 years. So looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, for sure. So do you play, I guess, going back to the competition, like, do you usually play doubles or is it singles and doubles just depending on the, the game or the tournament?
1: I usually play singles. Uh, most tournaments are singles uh, around here uh, for stroke play. Um, we have a big like NBC. We have a big tournament, a team tournament every year, which is match play, um, which takes place in August. Uh, but for the most part, unless it's a special event, it's all just singles tournaments. I do have a doubles partner that we do travel and go and play tournaments together. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's all singles around here. The team stuff, uh, just like golf is a rarity. It's an individual sport for the most part. Mm-hmm.
0: So with doubles, cause we all know what singles is, you know, you just play and you versus you and, uh, try to beat the next person on the stroke play but in regards to doubles I know you had told me a little bit about it and I found it pretty interesting because you play a little bit of a strategy I guess mm-hmm. um and I guess uh, maybe the doubles is is similar to golf where you know we have the best ball in golf uh in regards to the uh, the disc golf I thought it was interesting when you told me about the strategy you'd play maybe you can let kind of the listeners know about that and and specifically I guess the world championship play because you will be playing a a doubles match with that. Um because it actually inspired me because after that I was like, I want to try this uh th- this technique because you're trying to figure out, you know, where to put that that shot.
1: Yeah. So there's there's two types of doubles that we play in disc golf and that's best shots. So just like golf, both people throw off the tee pad, you know, you pick whoever shots better, whoever one you like more. And then both you shoot from that one, and then pick your best shot. And then you know, first whenever it goes in, the hole's over. Uh, the other way that we will be playing in the World Championships is alternate shot. So only one person throws every every turn. So instead of two people going, it's just one person. So say on hole one, I will be the guy to tee off, and then my partner will not tee off. He won't throw again until the approach shot or the putt, depending on the length of the hole. Um, you know, if he throws an approach shot, and then I have to putt, if I miss, now he has to putt. If he misses, I putt again. Hmm. And it's, you're alternating shots. Now, this gets tricky when you go into a course that maybe, you know, neither of you have ever played. You don't know where you have to be, you know, where's it, what's the right side of the fairway to be on for an approach as a right-handed player or a left-handed player or a dominant forehand player, right? When you're playing in a, in a format like that, where you, know, you don't get to take the next shot, you don't get to get out of your own trouble that you potentially put yourself in or you know, where you'd want to be, just because that's where you want to be, doesn't mean that's where your partner is going to want to be. So I think knowing the course and knowing your partner is the most important part to playing alternate shot because you don't want to set your partner up for failure.
0: And do you guys alternate in regards to like your strength and weaknesses, or is it just depending on the hole? Do you get to choose, or do you have to kind of um, you can change it back and forth?
1: You um, you decide at the beginning. You say I'm taking odds, you're taking evens, okay, or vice versa. And uh, you know that's where coming knowing the course comes in. Hey, you know, hole one, three, and five are really long, open holes. You throw farther than me. You should go on the. You should be the odd guy cool right oh holes two four and six are in the trees oh i'm better in the trees off the tee bed than you are maybe i should take those holes
0: and do you you ever have any domestics out in the field about uh who's better than who or is there no ego uh
1: sometimes in best shot you can get that yeah Um, me, me and my partner have a pretty good relationship but i've definitely seen um i've i've seen some heated arguments between teams that's like you guys are arguing over 10 feet like <laughs> you let you're, you're about to ruin your next six holes over 10 feet so let's just forget about it move on it's
0: the the entertainment value that's oh yeah tough. we just
1: but we've all done it we all do it it's hard not to
0: oh it's <laughs> a competitive nature for sure yeah 100 percent. so yeah like the the whole side of it i think you you. you you summed it up pretty good in regards to disc golfing, especially to get everybody out there. I'd like to kind of bring it back to you uh, in order to kind of bring down this uh, episode as to to wrap it up a little bit, but um, coming back to you, I'm curious uh, in regards, I'd like to kind of work in before working out. uh, Is there anything that you do, you know, uh, kind of inside psychologically? Um, I know (laughs) golf specifically, you know, it's easy to kind of like we just talked about the emotions can get up a little bit higher. Is there a certain type of kind of breath work that you do? Do you kind of envision anything? I kind of like happy Gilmore, right? Um, You know, this, uh, the, the, to, to, well, I guess that's a bad, bad example. You don't want to have to more with the disc golf course, but uh, no, you could I, yeah i I look at the 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 ways of kind of bringing the emotions down and or the nerves in regards to that first hole. Is there anything specific that you do to to practice that?
1: I just tell myself, you've been doing this for a long time. Just do what you've done. Don't mm-hmm. change anything, don't try and you know, kill it on the first hole, just put the disc in the middle of the fairway. If, you know, if your first throw of the tournament is, you know, 30 feet off the tee pad and then ends up 100 feet in the bush just because it takes some weird kick off the tree, it's a pretty good way because, you know, you tried to throw it too hard because the guy before you put it five feet from the pin. You know, like, just play your game, play to your strengths and know how you do on certain types of courses, you know? Um, and for, for me, putting has always been my weakness. Um, it's starting to get, uh, better now, but for me now, when I walk up to a putt, I'm just like, you've done this a thousand times, keep your arm in between your shoulders, fingers pointed at the basket on your release, and it will go in and you just don't try too hard. Just trust your process and what you practice. And I just try to just tell myself that on repeat, just don't do too much
0: words of wisdom just talking (laughs) talking to yourself but that's good no it is you know i you you get so wrapped up i think a lot of people get wrapped up kind of in the end as they're going okay the the final conclusion of it but if you take it one one hole at a time one shot at a time right Mm -hmm. it's similar to kind of our 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 lifestyle process of of just working out in general or keeping our health and fitness together right just like one Mm -hmm. day at a time it's that self-talk which we we can definitely learn from athletes like yourself in regards to your workouts. um, And I know you've been very functional in regards to your workouts. Is there anything that you do inside uh, the gym in regards to even anything from stretching like yoga to any type of weight work and specifically uh, for disc golf, is there anything different that you, you tend to do or you kind of just work on your weaknesses?
1: Uh, Weaknesses, balance, balance, flexibility, um, core strength, the most important things in disc golf. Um, so lower body, like just having strong core, strong legs, lots of like lunges, side lunges, um, goblin squats, um, running on uneven surfaces, Mm. you know, like through trails is really good because you're constantly engaging those ankle muscles that you don't think are super important that you actually really need for stabilizing, you know, and I, you know, a few years ago, I blew, four ligaments in my knee Poor my finesse, gets playing lacrosse and uh for me like just making sure that that because that's my push-off leg is you know just making sure that that's really well stretched out hammies are hammies and glutes are big in disc golf um usually the guys with really big lower bodies are the ones that are throwing the farthest hmm. um just and then for the the speed of your arm is just um comes down to flexibility and how, how much whip you can get on your body and how fast it comes around. That's probably the things I work on the most.
0: And do you stretch kind of nightly or daily? Or... Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And my, my girlfriend and I um, just started going to yoga as well. So that'll <clears throat> that'll start to help. Uh, once you start going more frequently as well.
0: For sure. So you kind of do the yoga, the stretching, and then in regards to um, trail running, do you do that quite often, or you do like once a week, or
1: a couple times I mean, a week? Yeah, a couple times a week when I have time. My work schedule right now has been not so great. So.
0: And the the uh, in regards to the gym as well, do you do you kind of just do you follow program, or do you mostly just work on? um the different kind of weaknesses you mentioned you could do like kettlebell work weight work dumbbell work barbell
1: weight work and there's full body throughout the week like i don't do anything crazy not trying to set any personal records uh just trying to stay strong in shape uh and again like how do you stay consistent keep practicing and you can keep practicing if you're not injured (laughs) yeah so if you stay flexible and say stay strong you know it's hard to injure yourself
0: harder and do you have a routine in regards to how many times you hit the course or do you just try to get out as much as you can
1: whenever i can like i said again with with my work work schedule lately it's been really tough but uh when when the weather's nice and uh not at work that's definitely the place i want to be for sure when i go and practice i just pick a type of shot that i want to practice and i'll just throw that at the course all day long with like one disc and just repetition, repetition repetition
0: and in regards to nutrition, do you do anything uh, separate to that? Or I always think of like the pregame meals or, or anything like that at the, the, the pregame pasta meal or. Oh no. Right? No, you know? no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no. Just what no, feels good. Just yeah. Whatever.
1: Good. It's like, what are you craving today? Yeah. Let's yeah. try that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and it, it's, it's neat because again, like I think in, in the whole episode that you've been talking about you you basically put the fun in chanel right so functional i always look at functional fitness because uh you know just by doing a game of disc golf and i challenge anybody out there to go and do it it, it really encompasses the whole body. I, I find different muscles, you know, even the next day, you know, you feel your legs, just like you said, from just going in uneven trails, you feel it differently. It doesn't even have to be a longer long course. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel it in the obliques, you know, um, in the lats, you know, and I'm, I'm sure in areas and of the body that I probably shouldn't, but that's more for form than anything, <laughs> which I'll, uh, I'll have to yeah. relist re- to this episode. So, it's uh it's it's neat to add. I, I find we need more fun and uh in regards to working out in fitness, it shouldn't be a chore. And I I hope today, you know, somebody listened and, and was inspired or maybe never even heard about it like like myself. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a very underrated sport.
1: I do have some uh instruction or some not instructional but slow motion videos of myself throwing. Um and you know, you can find it on YouTube as well. But if you're interested in myself. Um, It is available on my social media and um, Prodigy Disc also has some tutorials, I believe, on their website. So you can, if you're in Canada, positivespin.ca or in the States, prodigydisc.com.
0: Very cool. And in regards to your social media, where can people find you, Justin? Uh,
1: My Instagram is justin 19 Dasilva. D-A-S-I-L-V-A.
0: And your YouTube, did you say, or that is that specifically on the, the Prodigy Disc one?
1: I don't have a YouTube channel myself, but uh, my recommendation would be um, either Joe Mez Pro or um, the PDGA uh, YouTube channel.
0: Okay, amazing. And I guess other than that, everyone's got to download the Disc app. I know I will be mm-hmm. doing that right after this episode to get out and enjoy these beautiful courses that we have here and for the international listeners right download it check it out uh, in regards to where, where you are because it sounds like internationally it's definitely taking off so um well it's been been a blast thank you so much for for coming on the episode is there is there anything else that for the listeners that you can you can mention or anything we haven't covered
1: uh, no, I don't think I think we touched on it at all. I just want to thank you, Ramsey, for your time and having me out here. I really appreciate it. It's been good catching up with you.
0: You too, brother. And uh, next time we're we're gonna be out on that grass and and throwing those discs. I I promise Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Awesome. Sounds well, good, man. Thanks, Justin. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, buddy. You have a good one.